Welcome to The Woods. The Woods is a podcast for those leaving traditional religious beliefs in search of true connection and personal growth. You may be here because you had to leave the village you've always known. Maybe you've kind of stumbled upon us in search for something bigger or something deeper, maybe something more real for you. The Woods is that place. It's here that we find ourselves. We wrestle with a scary world and we realize it's okay when we don't have all the answers. I'm Lindsay Picardo. And I'm Lauren Moffat. Together, we're setting up camp with a warm fire to gather and build a community with others who are also finding their way to the woods. We're going to strengthen three things, our connection to ourself, our connection to others, and a higher purpose. We're going to talk about how to build healthy relationships and trust yourself when your thoughts on God and the afterlife are changing. Maybe you're deconstructing your own traditional beliefs and you don't know where to turn to process and stay safe. We invite you, come sit with us by our campfire. The topics that are off limits in the village are welcome here in the woods. We're so glad you're here. Okay, so we're on a plane coming back from Portland this weekend, yeah. which was awesome. It was awesome. And we were talking about, we're going through this book right now together called Leaving the Fold by Marlene Weinel. And we thought it was so interesting because it was written in 1991 and it's super relevant especially for millennials leaving the church. It's super relevant. It looks like there was a 2007 edition made, though. Yeah, Welcome I think to it was 1993, if that matters. Okay. Marlene, we think you're amazing. Yep. Your book has got a lot of copyrights, and apparently I forgot how to cite that. So <laughs> good job. This book, though, Leaving the Fold, even if you... Even if you are a Christian and you want to stay a Christian, that's great. Like we're not trying to necessarily leave everything we've always known. We wanted to see through Marlene's book the patterns that she sees for somebody psychologically right. when they leave the church. Right. And especially around fundamental Christianity. Fundamental Christianity. Yes, exactly. Yeah. So this is an awesome book. I know our friends, um, The Life After, mm-hmm. they talk about this mm-hmm. book. They do. And they, I mean, they do. That's a great up. That's a great podcast too. If you're looking for other ones um, like this, but Marlene wrote all these patterns that she saw. She's a she's a PhD. Mm-hmm. She's a therapist. So mm-hmm. she was working with um, people who were trying to kind of get out and figure out who they were again. And so we were talking about just this idea of quiet times. Mm-hmm. This is like one of a million ideas in this in this textbook. But well, and I'm what would you define as quiet time? Because I would think some people may not know what this is. Oh. Your quiet time. There's a song for it. Your quiet time is a time you light a candle, you drink some tea, you read the scriptures, and you wait for the Lord to come down. Lord, I receive. That was very good. Thank you. I know. Man, I really want to have quiet time now. I know. <laughs> no, I don't. Okay, so you basically you read the Bible. Yeah. The, you got to read the actual scriptures. That's part of it. You, you can't do like a Christian self-help book. Nope. And maybe a concordance. You should probably have a concordance. You should be ready to color code that bad boy. Mm -hmm. So you're going to read the scriptures. You're going to journal about the scriptures. You're going to talk to God. Right. And then reflections that you might have about the scripture that are applicable. And then confess your sin. Exactly. forget. That's right. If you forget to confess your sin, you basically wasted your time. So that's what you do. And... There was a time when I was in ministry where people would point blank ask if you were having quiet times. Oh, for sure. I mean, if you weren't, then you were pretty close to like backsliding. Bad. You definitely weren't. A, you wouldn't be considered to be a spiritual person. Mm-mm. Like you were missing that part of your faith. Yeah. Building your faith. Yeah. So when did you figure out that 
quiet times didn't have like a magical power, <laughs> you know, when Ooh. my life went to hell, <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. I'm reading the Bible, but uh, still making the same decisions for my own pain. Yeah. It's weird. It's so true. Yes. I think, you know, I don't know if other people used quiet time this way or if this was true for them. I know that we have different stories and I'm excited to hear your story next. I think for me with quiet time, I remember, so it was after college, I had gone through a divorce and I, you know, this was, I didn't drink in college. I went to a Christian university. And so you take a covenant, you take an oath that yeah. you won't do certain things and that you'll do spiritual things. So yeah. life after college partied really freaking hard. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Um, a good six weeks. <laughs> you made it six weeks <laughs> and you wrapped it up. And then I got pregnant. So. <laughs> we love you, Anya. <laughs> great and, kid. Great um, kid, though. Great, great kid. kid. Um, but I do remember during that time, though, I was doing a ton of quiet time. And I think what's so interesting for me is that it was this tactic that I would have these quiet times. And I, it was like if I wanted to stay as close as I could so that I, I'd almost feel shame. And then I would stop. Like, God, help me. Not do this anymore. Right. Right. So, a mm -hmm. lot of journaling feverishly, you know, and th these were just normal teenage college behaviors, too, you know, and at the same time, they were really, um, I just didn't, I felt a ton of guilt and shame about it. Well, it sounds like you were suppressed, too, right? Oh, yeah. So, there was also the element of, ton of suppression and then you're using journaling reading the scripture to suppress you more and you're like this isn't working for me if you just I think can't. about like growth and development that was a very normal experience the behaviors that you were exhibiting yes and typically if you could talk about those openly they wouldn't have become so overpowering but it was that idea right that you weren't supposed to be doing it so you can't tell people you're doing it so you're journaling about it so you think like maybe if i confess this to god it'll go away yep it doesn't work it escalates Exactly. Yeah. And I was very much in a bubble during my high school years too. So it was all just pent up in there. And it came like out. Like an explosion. Yeah. Yeah. We were talking about that too on the car ride. Remember the explosion analogy we were talking about? Oh, like yeah. The more you suppress stuff, the more pressure you build basically. Mm -hmm. And so then, I mean, in essence for me, it was like once that lid came off, dude, I mean, that's like 10 years. 10 years of suppression coming out in of six suppression. weeks of party. Yeah. <laughs> and just human... Like I look at my own daughter who's, you know, 14 or 15 and the choices that she's able to make over her own life are yeah. so much different than mine at that age. I yeah. had very little wiggle, wiggle. to live. Yeah, yep. totally. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah. what, well, I'm curious what happened to kind of the rest of you. Like there's <laughs> your brain, your emotions, your body. When, when you'd have a quiet time in the season and it didn't work, what did you notice happening in your psychology, in your mental wellness? I thought it was me. I thought, it, I mean, it felt pretty hopeless at that point. Because so the quiet time's not working. Yeah, it's not mm -hmm. working. And self-forgiveness was really hard during this time. Because then I'm like, well, then for sure it's me. It's you not working. Like in big, big trouble. Right. And shame is just really hard to move through alone. Like, Alone might be impossible with a journal say? and a pen. I think yeah. it's a hundred percent impossible for that's my story for me. Yeah. It would be impossible for you to get over some decisions you're making just by yourself. Yes. Intrigue. So yeah. no matter how much I read, no matter how much I journaled or listened to praise and worship or 
laid on my face and cried. I mean, nothing could change this this deep, dark shame wash, especially like in the middle of the night. I would wake up a lot at like oh, one or two. Gosh. Yep. And um, I, I mean, honestly, this shame wash didn't stop until like three years ago. So it's been a part of my entire oh. life, really, this wash of What shame. do you think stopped it three years ago? For me, it was going through and being really close with people and having connection. them. Mm-hmm. So connection was part so of it. So what do you think when people talk about like confessing your sins? Is that different than what you're talking about right now? No, I think it's the same. The exact same. So Okay, but maybe we just don't do that well with each other. When somebody says like... Confessing your sins sounds really scary. It is really scary. But, but really, it's not about like, oh, 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 I confess my sin. It's more like, hey, I'm just hurting. It's confessing your pain is really a better name for confessing right. your sins. That's what I was going to say. I really hate that term. I think it's like you're coming to somebody with your tail between your legs, you know, versus being able to just be human and say, I'm in pain. And these are the behaviors that's happening, which are very symptomatic of what's really going on. Totally. So, of course, you're acting out if you're in a lot of pain. Right. And you're wanting connection and love and all that. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think there's a lot. I mean, I know scripture talks about confessing your sins one to another, but I do think that in the church, that was not done well at all, nor received well. Well, it's kind of like, and we see this all the time, people love power. So there's a power, there's a one up, one down Mm -hmm. when you're confessing your sins to somebody. Mm -hmm. That's really not supposed to be there. Mm -hmm. So I would almost call it like confessing my pain. Like tell us what what puts you in pain. Mm -hmm. Because the sins are, what what Christians call sins, are the symptoms, acting out, are the symptoms of all your pain. Exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I think, you know... um, I was taught so much that this is the formula. Like you confess your sins to God, you confess your sins to other people, you're forgiven, you get to move on. And yet there's this still this like Teflon of shame. And so it wasn't enough. Mm -hmm. And I think too that the relationships and this process of just sharing my pain, the way that I experience it now is radically different than how I experienced it then. How is it different? Well, when I express it now, it's there's this, um, it's like someone sitting next to me and I'm telling them. And so there's also shared vulnerability mm-hmm. where someone will say, they'll just sit with me. There's no judgment. There's acceptance. Mm-hmm. There's love. This doesn't change how I see you or how I feel about you. Oh my gosh, I've been there too. So there's a different way of expressing and feeling when I share just some struggles that I'm having really. Yeah. And what would be like a struggle today compared to back then? Because I think those are really different. I think you and I, okay, I'm just going to fill it in and then you share. Okay. A struggle back then would be like, I am struggling with a, um, if I came to you, I might be like, I'm struggling with a sexual sin. Mm. (laughs) According to my, according to, we've been looking over. Page 5, 10, 15, 20, (laughs) 5, 10, 23. 23 (laughs) Of my K. Arthur Bible study (laughs) that we pulled out. Uh, Really struggled with that one. Yeah. Instead it would be, I would probably come to you and be like, I'm really hungry. I don't know what to do about it. I can't get filled up. Mm-hmm. Like I don't feel connected. Mm-hmm. That's a very different type of connection and tr- more true than being like, this is my behavior and I can't stop it. Because mm-hmm. we know cognitive behavioral therapy, it starts with your thought life. Mm-hmm. It doesn't start with your be- cutting exactly. off your behavior. Like exactly. let's talk about what you're needing. Yeah, exactly. And, and even saying that, you know, what? let's talk about what you're needing. Not like, 
yeah, let's make sure you know that that's really naughty. You're not the kid then if you do that. It's more... Well, to your point, it's like there you really do have these needs that aren't being met. That's yeah. really what disconnection is, is yeah. like not bringing your needs to someone in order for them to be met. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think like I, I thought about one of the deepest things is just this idea of like not being enough. So for me, you know, when I think about or what I'm struggling with something now, trying to get to the root of the root of the root of the issue yeah, and looking that dead in the face, mm-hmm. you know, versus the symptom, which is maybe I'm shopping or um, I'm eating or I'm, you know, not with a good person. You know, those yeah. are behaviors and symptoms of the deeper thing. Totally. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, there's so, this other piece too that you've talked about that we talked about how when you're reading the Bible, sometimes you can get kind of like mystical with it and mm-hmm. magical. And it's like, Lord, speak to me. <laughs> speak to me directly. <laughs> and then we flip open. We're like, Psalm 23. There's surely there's something in here. He's trying to tell me. It's true. That's true. So there's also this like helplessness of like, I can't hear you. So I'm going to try this thing. Hoping, just, hoping to feel connected to. Yeah. yeah. Hoping to feel connected to God. Like hopefully you'll somehow turn me to the right page and my finger will go to the, and it never worked. I think it maybe worked once on a fluke. <laughs> it's like scratch offs. You're not going to win. Okay. If you win, you're basically making your money back. It's, <laughs> Although I still do scratch offs. Yeah. That, that was my experience. I, I think I, I don't even know. I can't even tell you how many times I did that. I really just, that was such a plead for me a, a, just to be known. A connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think for me, you know, it's been interesting as I've kind of moved through like what's kind of helped me shift out of quiet time because I don't do that anymore. Yeah. You know, and I was thinking about, I have no guilt about this now. Really? Yeah, which is, which is crazy. I mean. Because a couple years ago. Oh, I said probably seven or eight years ago, I would say I would have guilt, guilt about it, not doing it. And it was this interesting, like confession with some Christians are like, yeah, I don't read the Bible or like, (laughs) you know, like they weren't allowed to say it out loud or I haven't opened my Bible in like 20 years. So it's still, it it is this thing to like admit to somebody. Yeah. I still feel it a little bit now, even though I have no guilt about it. It's like, yeah, you know, um, but it really, it just, it did not serve me and my well being. So as far as like having this quiet time in the morning, I wasn't, it wasn't changing my life. It wasn't, it wasn't. serving me. Yeah. Yep. Um, it's, it's just not important to my spirituality or well-being anymore, which is really freeing to say that mm-hmm. I am defining what is really impacting my well-being and my health. Like yeah. That's a very powerful thing to just say. Totally. You know? So what do you think impacts you more than a quiet time? Human relationships. Human, actual beings that you can Humans. see. In- Human beings. Yep. What are they called? Homo sapiens. Homo sapiens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that, I think that there's so much power in other people, in our experiences and our stories, Yeah. that that to me really is this spiritual experience, way more than anything I have ever, ever found through quiet time, ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um, I think for me to say like there is a broader definition of spirituality outside of reading the Bible and having a quiet time. It's just, it's crazy. It's crazy to um, say that proud, you know? And hear yourself saying, yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah. And it's been this way for, I don't know, seven or eight years now. So the funny thing is that years ago, we would say that you were backsliding. 
Oh yeah, for sure. That well, like you, I'm so I'm curious what it's like to just be like, I'm going down the hill and I'm staying at the bottom because <laughs> you're a huge it feels good. Now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slippery slope and it was fun all the way down and I'm totally okay. <laughs> One of our other I'm like friends walking made that away joke. from the hill. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not even on the hill. Uh, the hill is not a thing. It was in my imagination. It was called uh, I need to be morally superior than everybody else. And, and it was really an ego trip and I let it all go. I think there's a hill on the edge of the village wall actually i think you just slide down <laughs> and <laughs> into the woods <laughs> yeah yeah i think for me it's like it's it's been awesome and i think it really is this ebb and flow of just being human like backsliding I, when we were talking about this i'm like what does that even really mean backsliding yeah. is doing sinful things I, thank you i know you didn't actually that was rhetorical but <laughs> <laughs> like oh well if i stop being quiet down i'm gonna end up just in jail yeah, ultimately, I'm I think really fudge it up. Definitely, you know, doing drugs. But the irony sure. is that, like, you were doing things that Christians would have an issue with while having a quiet time, and it didn't help. And the but, bigger irony is that I'm healthier now than ever before mm-hmm. without quiet time. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't define my well being. Yeah, my growth. Well, it's interesting too because we talked about this on the plane, like. There is something human about getting up in the morning and setting your trajectory for the day. 100%. Getting up, having control of your kind of thoughts in your mind, deciding what you want to think about, deciding on what you want to focus on. Like we both still love reading in the morning, Mm -hmm. but reading like reading books that kind of set our mind for the day Mm -hmm. and then journaling, just that's good process time. But journaling is no longer, Lord, help me be pure in my thought life today. It's like, hey... Um, I feel connected to this person. I don't feel connected to this person. I'm I'm wrestling with how I want to handle this. It's much more like human. Oh, yeah. And I'm also yeah. usually saying like, you know, if I'm struggling with this, then I need to talk to this person. Or mm-hmm. um, if I want to do this, then I'm going to, I need to read this type of book. So it's this reflection yeah. process. Yep. I used, um, I remember you using the artist's way and it was this, like, because when you wake up out of sleep, you're kind of a little bit in sleep. And so your creativity is is, high. is the highest in the morning. Mm-hmm. And so that was a part of my process just to access my own creativity and who I was as a person, which is yeah. kind of wild. So it's interesting because I'm um, like, there's these elements of our faith that we've held onto because it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Like getting up in the morning and setting your trajectory uh, we wouldn't say like confession of sins, but <laughs> connecting with other people mm-hmm. to share what your needs are, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Not talking about your behaviors, but talking about what you deeply need and how you're thinking and seeing the world. Yeah, I think I definitely feel awake, you know. Yeah. Awake to that. So it's 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 always, because it's like, neither one of us would ever want to demonize Christian faith mm-hmm. or the church or any, but it's more of like, hey, we need to kind of suss out what's helpful and what's mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I yeah. think there's this piece of seeing it all for what it is, right? Yeah. So then pulling pulling pieces that make sense for my own well-being and my growth and my development and my family, Yeah, choosing what works yep. for me. And there's beauty and freedom in that. So this idea too that we've talked about of like, it's not necessarily about having quiet time, but it is about like continuing to grow as a person. Oh, yeah. It is still good to set aside time to grow. That's still a good thing. We're oh, not yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> all Just this go rogue. is dumb. Yeah, it is helpful. Well, because we are all creative beings and we're all created 
in terms of like we are able to grow into who we're meant to be. Yeah. So it's like this process of just tapping into who we are that is so foggy because of how we grow up, our experiences, what we're told, told, our relationships. So we're uncluttering. I feel like there's so much of a process of uncluttering who we are. Maybe not for everybody, but that was definitely my story. Mm -hmm. So this process of, you know, changing and evolving was basically me just feeling alive and growing. Yeah. And then two, we had talked about like the the different ways you're allowed to grow now is because when you were just in fundamental Christianity, you grew by reading the Bible, memorizing more of it, or doing more acts of service. Like that's yeah, it was very much behavior based. The more you do, I think you said it. How did you say it the other day? You said the uh, you sac the the more holy you are, the more you sacrifice your own desires. Yes. Wow, that person's holy because they're not doing anything that yes. they like. I was thinking about like who we would when I was growing up. Who was someone that some that was identified as very spiritual, and it was essentially them completely losing themselves and sacrificing everything of who they are, their own yeah. desires. I mean, because those are All those are flesh, flesh, right? Yep. Yeah. So now we're like, wait a second. That is really just straight up not healthy. Yeah, that's so, I mean, that's just, to me, that is so flipped on its head, how I grew up and how I see it now. It's just kind of wild. And I think too, you know, this idea of like, in order for us to grow as a fundamental Christian was just to do more. And this idea of it has nothing to do with behaviors, you know, just I really, I think that's so important because sometimes even now, I can get trapped in this idea of its behaviors versus going deep and thinking about who who was who am I, you know, mm-hmm. who do I want to be? Mm-hmm. Versus it just looking that way on the outside versus being that way on the inside. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, really doing the work to be who you want to be. Right. Right. And oh go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, and anybody that takes time to shape their thought life in the morning is going to change. It's just deciding where which direction you want to change in. Oh yeah, for sure. That's not like a spiritual mystic experience. That's just cognitive behavioral therapy <laughs> <laughs> on yourself. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, that's what all coaching is. It's changing your thought life, which is very powerful. Totally. All right. So Lens. Yeah. We tapped into your quiet times. We beginning. were reading my quiet time <laughs> books. <laughs> my prayers to the Lord to change me. <laughs> Because as a 23-year-old, I felt bad that I had any sexual energy in me at all. Oh, my gosh. And then to think of having just to take that away. like you To take away sexual energy. sexual long. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, biologically, you're, you're like totally wired to do that. Wired. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. I, I don't even funny. do quiet times now either. Let's just get it out there, guys. <laughs> <laughs> at this point, some people are like, I got to turn this off. Oh, no, funny. I just stopped too. So when did you, I mean, when did that start losing its power for <laughs> when you? When did these uh, K. Arthur study guides stop losing their power? Well, again, they didn't work. Let's just be real. Between the two of us, maybe we're the only two humans in the world where quiet times did not change our behavior at all. I think, I think, sure. We'll start there. We'll start there. <laughs> if it's just us, then this podcast has no relevancy. <laughs> but it's okay. I thought that the world would kind of come crashing down when I did that. Like, I, I won't. Uh, I'm going to backslide. I'm going to be a mess. I'm going to make bad decisions for myself. And I think to the point where my whole life kind of blew up, 
you know, by, by the time I left ministry, I got into coaching and I understood how human beings actually work mm-hmm. and not just what the Bible says or what I think the Bible says, but like, oh, wait, this is how human beings work. There was such a chasm between the way I understood humans, how they actually work in real life and what, how people interpret the Bible. Because you and I hear this all the time. We hear preachers Oh, yeah. And people say, well, that's not how human beings, you know, humans are um, this way and this way. And we're like, do you know anything about psychology mm-hmm. or are you taking that from, you know, like when Joshua Harris, mm. he, he decided to um, kind of denounce his own books mm-hmm. and say, this wasn't healthy. I kissed dating goodbye. Just it? recently he yeah. did that. Mm-hmm. And then he also like is taking a step back on his faith mm-hmm. and people are like, see, that's exactly what backsliding is. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I think he's just evolving and like trying to figure out what really matters in life. But Christians who are really deep into their scriptural lens, mm-hmm. their version of the scriptural lens, mm-hmm. they have a whole narrative around that, that we know from a psychological perspective is like, that's probably not true. What you're saying, you know, the way that you're seeing Joshua Harris now is like an enemy of the church. That's not really what's happening. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know? Yeah, for sure. And so I just had to live in the tension of, you know, the way that I was taking in scripture, the way I was trying to change who I was, was not really human. Mm. And so it was like, I'm just going to stop doing this to myself. I'm going to go to therapy. I'm going to spend time with the right people who are healthy and grounded. And we're going to start from there instead. And so reading the Bible never really changed how I felt. I would try to get myself to change how I felt or thought, but it's so much deeper than that. It's what you said. It's connecting to the people. It's being in the right environment. You know, it doesn't make sense. I'm, I'm through the phase of life where I check the box of doing something to feel yeah. better about myself. That just isn't going to work for me. And so, and, and that's the thing. I think I was in the world of mission work. I was in the world of seminary. I read the Bible a lot. I have taken graduate level courses on the Pentateuch, on the New Testament. I have gone through and learned sections of the Bible very deeply. Mm-hmm. You know? It was so sincere for you. I mean, it you was. Were I was in. really in it. Mm-hmm. And that was just to just to have such a different view now and to feel safer and more who I am is wild. To think that like, I thought I was running after and pursuing God and people praise me for my passion mm-hmm. and my knowledge. And I'm like, time mm-hmm. out. I got to put on a couple other lenses when mm-hmm. I'm taking this in. So like now when I read the Old Testament, which is ironic because a lot of people go to seminary and they read the Old Testament through the Hebrew lens, through anthropological lenses. Let me compare this to other uh, people groups at that time, other tribes at that time. It does change the way you see scripture. It does change like, it. Like once you really understand what's going on, mm-hmm. The mystic, the mysticism around it. You're like, this is a record of a tribe of this time in the world. Mm-hmm. It sounds very similar to other tribes at the same time. There's a few changes for sure. In the creation story, there's changes. In the flood story, there's changes. But those exist outside of just the Bible. So it kind of takes away like, this is the one place of information handed down. It's like, oh, wait, this is just plucked out of history mm-hmm. and sounds a lot like everything else that's going on. So... Um, I think that's important yeah. just to say, even for both of us, how genuine, um, how genuine our faith and our experience was when we were younger. You know, so this oh, is I such would a be proselytizing yeah. people. I played the Jesus film at my birthday party. Well, you tried to witness to me on the plane. I, no, I did not in real life. <laughs> we were. I was showing her what it was like. I was showing her my old tracks and what it was like to get somebody to accept Christ. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty good. 
It's pretty compelling. Yeah. I almost reaccepted Christ myself. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I, I was reading the Bible to teach me kind of the nature of reality. This is how the world works. This is what good is. This is what evil is. This is how God wants me to behave. And as I kind of zoomed out and got educated on psychology, anthropology, all these different areas of humans, world history, you're like, wait a second. This is a pattern through the whole world, and you can see it everywhere. It's not just the Bible. Mm -hmm. It's You can see that even other cultures have a different view of reality. Mm, that's really good. That's a really good, important thing just to mention. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to bring that point home very clearly. You re really important to point. underscore that, that point. Um, but like when I read about Native Americans, I'm like, they have a totally different view of reality, the nature of reality. And it's good to see other perspectives mm -hmm. and see that it's not as clear cut as Christians want it. Christians live, if you are reading the Bible and only the Bible and not taking in any other documents, you have a very narrow, almost unintelligent, does that mean to say? Unscholastic. Well, I think it just, you just have to know that if you're only reading things that confirm what you already believe, yep. then that is, there is confirmation bias there. If you're mm -hmm. not able to take in take other perspectives and then mm -hmm. still make the decision, that's different. Yeah. So I think there is some fear. I was taught that, that there is fear to go outside in the world and, and learn, and learn, especially around psychology, which is humorous. Yeah, so, which like saved both of our lives. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you think happened to your, just your being, your body, your brain, as you stepped out of this quiet time mode and you, you're done checking the boxes? Yeah. How did that impact well, you? Well, I do think that's like the woods in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. You're like the organization, the structure around this part of my life is going to go away and I'm going to listen. I'm going to feel this out, use my five senses. Just like if you were in the woods and somebody was like, hey, get to the other side of the woods. I'm not telling you how. You'd be like, well, I better tune into myself. Mm -hmm. I better tune into where the sun is, where mm -hmm. nature is. I better tune into all these pieces. If I'm going to make it, I better listen for the stream, you know, all that kind of stuff. I feel like that's what I did. So I'd get up and it would be like, okay, what do I need this morning? And I'd tune into my body and be like, okay, I need to stretch. I need to move. Mm -hmm. I'll walk one of my dogs. What else do I need? I feel alone. I need to reach out to a couple people. Okay, great. What else do I need? I need to kind of program my mind because I'm feeling a little low. So I think I want to listen to a motivational speaker or somebody who can help me recenter mm -hmm. and be productive today. So it's almost like to remember mm -hmm. that I'm loved. I still believe in God. I still believe God loves me. It's not like I'm like a secular humanist now. It's just more tuning into myself and seeing what I need. I, I really think that reading the Bible every morning, we've talked about like so many areas of scripture are just written out like, they're historical accounts. They're not meant to be taken into your heart and change the way that you operate. It's like reading a history book. It's like if I read a history book on World War II and somehow I made it into a self-help book. Like that's not <laughs> what that's for. That's not even what that's for. What are you doing? Is this going to be a thing? Yes. No, what I'm do you kidding. mean? I'm kidding. Oh, please like, don't start <laughs> quiet times about the Third Reich. Okay. <laughs> But really getting centered around my identity, around what I need most, around my health, my emotional, physical, spiritual health, that just looks different now. And it feels better. And honestly, 
I was getting so bored about doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't feel challenged. Mm-hmm. I felt like like I'm doing the rote thing that I'm supposed to do when mm-hmm. I was just reading the Bible every morning. So mm-hmm. being willing to kind of go outside of that and take care of myself each morning is different. I am curious, did you, that whole process of tuning into yourself? Yeah. What, how did you learn that? Was there a certain therapy. experience? Okay. <laughs> Oh, therapy. I definitely think like learning how to parent yourself is huge. And I'm yeah. sure we'll talk about that in later yeah. episodes. But that's so good. When you get up, when you're in a grown up, one of the hardest things to grow out of, and I know this because I coach millennials, is people taking care of you to you taking care of yourself. That's mm-hmm. childhood to adulthood, that mm-hmm. switch. And I think sometimes we all still wake up kind of like, uh, somebody come and take care of me. Totally. Well, and and the pain of adulthood is being like, I got to take care of me. I'm the only one that can set myself up to win today. Mm-hmm. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And I know there's kind of this theory that we all need someone to rule us. That's a very Christian idea that you mm-hmm. need to have a king. That Because in here, we're reading about me saying, like, I'm as weak as a lamb. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm kind of dumb and weak, and mm-hmm. I don't know how to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. Lord, help me. Mm-hmm. That's actually really degrading Mm -hmm. to my human nature. I actually can take care of myself. I'm 35 years old. I can defend, take care of myself, feed myself, make sure that I have what I need, get the support I need. There are places I can go to resource myself. I don't need, you know, that level of leadership over my life to Mm -hmm. make good decisions Mm -hmm. and take care of myself and other people. Mm -hmm. Well, and we see people live really big lives and taking 100% responsibility for who they are. So we see it. That's what that is. Yeah. That's part of why quiet times weren't working for me is because it was basically me relinquishing responsibility and asking God to do things for me. Yep. That I really could do myself. That's what it was for me. Like, Lord, you know, please provide this or provide this when it's really me getting the phone number and calling and doing the work. (laughs) That's it. You know, he's not the FedEx man. No, you got to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so just that idea of... I am responsible for my well-being. I need to take care of myself. I think I find myself in a much more powerful spot to help other people too and change people's lives by being willing to take responsibility mm-hmm. and well, not pass it off to a, be- a deity. I think too, because both of us are coaches, so we see this in our clients all the time, mm-hmm. how much power they have um, in choice and how just the nature of talking with about what they want, yes, they're much more likely to go do it. And absolutely, it's, it's really it, it seems like it's super magical, but it's really simple. Yeah, you know. And how much those relationships help you when you say something out loud? How powerful that is to someone else. Mm-hmm. So well, and that's the wild part of life. That's the that's the wilderness. That's the woods. That not that no one's going to take care of you, but just taking ownership of your life. And when we see people do that, their lives change dramatically as coaches. Yes. That's where the power is, is saying, wait, I can actually change this for myself right now. I don't know what I'm waiting for. Exactly. Great. Well, then that just propels you. It's propelled me. Absolutely. Into taking more like bigger risks or stepping more into who we are, even just owning who we are. Yeah. Well, and getting healthier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Getting healthier, getting more grounded. Mm -hmm. I... That's only happened because I've made these adjustments. We're not saying like if you're having a quiet time, you're messed up or anything like that. It's just this is how it played out for us and we have found what works for us. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that knowing that there are other ways too that you can become healthy and grow are Mm -hmm. out there outside of that. Yep. That that was my reality and my just my story. 
Exactly. I love that. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming to the woods with us. Thanks. We'll be talking about uh, boundaries. Ooh, next episode. Boundaries in the woods. 